Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. This is the word of the Lord. Some of y'all got nervous. She turned that page and paused. The lady's like, what? I saw it. I saw it. Grab a seat. Grab a seat. I would say we better pray uh, before this one. God, we love you, and we thank you for your word. And we're asking this morning that you open our eyes, that we can see awesome things from the things you would have us to see from your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So just before we get going, it's interesting to me the songs that we sing. And and sometimes I think we could just come in here and sing because that's what we do. We're church people, good Bible belt people. And like, but but then I'm back there going, okay, I know what I'm, I know what I'm getting ready to, to preach. And then I hear the, I hear God's people singing, right? So we go back to like our second song, and it's like, great are you, Lord, right? Except for that thing you said about marriage. I don't think that's too great. You know what I mean? Think about how weird that would be, right? And the last song we, we say, like, lead me in your love to those around me. I think Jesus would be to the married people, hey, okay, then do marriage how I told you to do it. It's like, well, that's, I don't think that's what I meant to be singing there. But we do have to have a serious conversation. And we're going to hear more about what I'm getting ready to tell you in the coming weeks, but I just want to come out of the gate today and let you know something that you, you must understand. And, 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 and here it is. Satan is a real person. And he hates your guts. He hates you so bad. And he wants, he wants to kill you and to steal from you and to destroy you. You got to know that. And Satan, this same guy, like he hates marriage. He hates the institution of marriage. It is under attack. It remains under attack. He, He hates your individual marriage. He hates the institution. He hates your marriage. Single people, I am talking to you, just so you know. Do not check out. He hates your marriage. Like, well, I'm not married yet, and he hates your marriage, and he's already coming after it, and you, you must understand this. High school, I'm talking to high schoolers, listen to me, he's coming at you, and I, I'm not trying to like scare you anything, but I need to grab your attention this morning, because this is real. So, so before we dive in, I've got a review, because we're going to get in this passage, and we will not ever move on from what we talked about in the first 11 weeks 
of this magnificent letter about God's big organic masterpiece, his church that Jesus said that he would build. Okay, if we forget this, right, especially chapter 1, 2, and 3, if we forget what we're talking about here, everything from 4, 5, and 6 will just ring hollow. It'll just be this distant thing. Listen, we have to keep in mind God's organic masterpiece, his church. And Jesus said he was going to build his church. He is building his church. And listen, the church, the church is the hope for the world. It's the mechanism. It's the vehicle that's going to take the good news of Jesus to the world. And the passages that we're in, we're going to be in it again next week. You're going to see 10 references. You heard 10 references to the church out of this passage today. But we're going to get into some practical details. Okay? And, that, and listen, the, the church gives hope in a lot of tangible, uh, uh, practical ways. And marriage is just one of them. The marriage relationship is just one of them. Last week, you'll remember, we finished up, and, and I talked about the sweet life, right? How we can have the sweet life, and that our lives can be a sweet offering to God. And we can live, uh, and we can walk in love, and that's a sweet offering. But we have to be people who are, who are filled with the Holy Spirit. A better way to say that, I believe, is dominated by the Holy Spirit. We have to be Spirit-led people. And then we are, we are going to be people who are giving thanks for everything in the name of Jesus. Okay, that's, that's where we lost, left off, and then, and then we get into our passage this week. And I'm just going to be transparent with you that I have approached this. I, I've taught this passage before. It's been a while. I, I've always approached this passage a little sheepishly. And, and I want you to know that, that I am done being nervous and defensive about what my king says is beautiful. Okay? And, and you need to be done with that too. And just take that as a loving word uh, from a pastor. Now, caveat, admitted, admittedly, this passage that we're going to be in today has too often been misused and abused, causing those created in God's image to be used and abused. That is, we can't deny that. And I know that probably some of you in here have experienced this. And I'm sorry if that's the case. That, was, that is not God's intention. I think we'll see that today. We must understand before we dive into this that men and women are created equally in the image of God. They are equal in value. They're equal in, in, in dignity. They're equal in honor. Okay, we can't go to Scripture and not conclude that that is true. But we have been created differently. We have been created to complement. Men and women have been created to complement one another and thereby display the wisdom of God and his created order. Do you remember when we talked about this beautiful, magnificent, organic temple that, that it displayed the manifold wisdom of God? Do you remember this? Marriage, the marriage design plays into this. It displays the manifold wisdom of God also. Still by way of review, we talk that we are a new humanity. 
and that there's those of us who are following Christ and we're this new humanity, this new race, and everybody outside of that is, is, is in what's called the ethnos. And we're supposed to make disciples of the ethnos. We are not part of the ethnos anymore. Ethnos meaning anyone that's not following Jesus, that isn't a part of this new humanity. We must understand Hill City Church, if you're following Jesus, we live in exile here. We are different. We are foreigners. And to the ethnos, we are crazy on multiple fronts. Like, you, you give how much of your money to that place? Are you stupid? Like, it's, that's crazy to people. You know this? That's crazy to the ethnos that we tithe. That's just one example. But it's no different with marriage either. They think we are crazy with what we believe about marriage. But God designed marriage, and it can be so sweet. It is so sweet. God gives us in his word a blueprint for human flourishing within marriage. So let me just do this really quickly, and I promise we're going to get to Ephesians, but i got to give another pastoral word. Hear me. Can we quit ripping on marriage? That's what the ethnos does. Marriage is awesome. Marriage is beautiful. Let's quit talking poorly of it. I actually highly recommend it. So I just want to talk to some young people. And listen, I'm going to talk to young single men just for a minute. I love you. Some of you, like, what are you doing? Like, I literally am praying specifically for some people in this church, some literally specific people, like, Lord, give them a spouse. And then I walk in there, I'm like, some of these dudes are, here's what I, listen, it's not, it's nothing to be scared of. Like, just go ask her out, okay? And I'm being serious, like, I'm, I'm going to do this in both gatherings, listen to me, just walk up to her, hey, I like you, it seems like you love Jesus, and I think you're pretty, can we hang out? Right? Listen, there are a lot of, and, and listen, there are a lot of awesome, godly men in this church, ladies. Okay? And you need to say yes. Okay? Can, all right, guys. Guys, like, think, okay, I got your back. Okay, listen, I want us to have a right size view of marriage. So, so right out of the gate, don't think I'm sitting, I know some single people are like, oh gosh, here we go again. Okay, hold up. We need to right size view of marriage. I don't want to make it. I don't want to rip it. I don't want to devalue it. I want to tell you how horrible it is. And that's no big deal. It is a big deal, but I also don't want to make it the ultimate. It's not the ultimate. Okay, so let me just talk to single brothers and sisters in the room. There is dignity in singleness. Our king was single. Okay, let's not forget that. You have no less value within the church. Now, and, and listen to me, I want to specifically even reach out to some people that maybe have, uh, have been divorced. Because you're single now, and I want you to know that I'm sorry. I cannot imagine it. I cannot imagine it. But I want to just encourage you this morning and let you know that God is not done with you. And if you've ever had a church say that he is done with you because you've been divorced, we're not going to tell you that here. Okay? There's still dignity. And I want to tell the single people, whether you've never been married, whether you're divorced, marriage needs to matter to you. 
And what I mean by that is the institution needs to matter to you and the individual marriages within your church family, they need to matter to you. I can be encouraged. Jenny and I can be encouraged in our marriage by a single person. Jenny and I can be corrected in our marriage by a single person. We need you and you need us and we're family, okay? Now, I promise I'll get to Ephesians. Here's what I'm not going to allow because this is so prevalent in the ethnos and it's, and it's, it's made its way into the church, okay? I am not going to allow any further false dichotomies or dichotomous thinking. And maybe if you just kind of, uh, you started doing that, right? When I started talking, I just want to warn you, meaning, oh gosh, he's just he's going to talk about marriage today. He doesn't give a rip about single people. False, okay, false. And, and let me just give you a few examples. So Mother's Day is coming up. And I'm going to say, happy Mother's Day, mothers. I'm going to say some kind things to mothers. And I, listen, you can't be the person that's like, well, what about, what about the people who aren't mothers? Love them. But I can say happy Mother's Day. Can I not? Are you with me? So we're not going to create these false dichotomies. Like, well, he said this. He must mean this. No, he just, he just said this. Are you with me? Can we be reasonable people here, Hill City Church? Okay, that's all I'm asking. Let's go to our Ephesians. Here we go. We'll be out of here by two. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, we have to start there. That should be the posture of this new humanity. All of us are submitting to one another. And let's, when we start in verse 22, we miss a pretty big point. Go back to the unity that we spoke of earlier in this letter. Think about that unity. That won't happen unless we're all, we're, we're, we're mutually submitting to one another. So I'm just going to ask a question here. Is that happening in your life? The word, hupatasso. It literally would mean to yield to the admonition or yield to the advice of something or to arrange under. We need to do that with one another, first and foremost. Then you get in to the next verse, which doesn't even use that word submit, right? That's not even in the original uh, letter. Paul said, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, and quite literally he wrote, wives to your own husbands. He didn't write that word. Now, it is implied But, but let's just, I'm going to talk, listen, I'm going to talk to you ladies for a minute. He, said, he talks about submitting to one another, and then he gives two verses to the wives. Verse 22 and 24. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Then you go down to 24. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to everything, submit in everything to their husbands. So submission, we hate the word. Why? The ethnos hates the word, and it's trickled into the church. Okay, because when we hear that word, we automatically are like, well, that, that, that means exploitation and that means oppression. No, it doesn't. Start there. Okay, the ethnos does not recognize a biblical view of marriage. And you need to know that data would tell us that in the ethnos, oppression and exploitation of women are, is at an all-time high in 2022. 
So is it working in the ethnos? It isn't. We have more slavery in the United States today than there's ever been in the history of the United States, and it's women who are being oppressed. It's women who are being abused. It's women who are being trafficked. And we must redeem the word, church. We must redeem this word, submission. We must redeem this word, submit. God has done a divine ordering. God did this. He's done a divine ordering, and it is for human flourishing. So, wives, it says to do this as to the Lord, as the church submits to Christ. So the question then is this, does Christ lead his church into sin? It's not a trick question. No. Does Christ lead his church in anything that's bad for them? He does not. So ladies, wives, you you are not called to submit to someone who is sinning or leading you into sin. Okay? Now, listen to me, I said that wrong. Someone who's leading you into sin. Some of you are married to an unbeliever, and you're actually called to do the same thing to an unbeliever. And, you, and, and I'm not going to get into that passage today. I just don't want to misrepresent that. Okay? But let me just talk to the husbands, which I'm going to talk to most today. I just want to give you a pretty big warning. Um, Jesus said this. It's actually better that if someone tied a really heavy brick around your neck and threw you in the lake than if you would cause someone to sin. So what do, you think he, what do you think he thinks about if it's your own wife? <laughs> That's just a warning. So, so God tells wives to do this through Paul's letter. And here's what he's saying. We have to know what he's saying. He's saying, ladies, you, you need to let the man be who I have created him to be. God has put order in all things, including the marriage relationship. Okay, and Jesus Christ, he says, as to the church, Jesus Christ is the leader of his bride, the church, making sure that the church becomes all that it should be. And as the church comes under Christ's leadership, then the, the Bible says that wives are to be following their husband's leadership as her husband seeks to exalt Jesus Christ in all that he does. And especially in the context of that marriage relationship. Okay? So listen, ladies, to submit is not like do as you're told. Some men think that's what that is. It's not. It's not do what you're told. It's voluntary alignment. It's something that you do, wives, that is compelled by love. God does not call his daughters to follow abusive, cruel, domineering, deserting husbands. So make sure, you, make sure you get what I'm saying there. So practically, as the church submits to Christ, what is that? So wives, here we go. I'm just going to give you sort of your ongoing assignment as a wife. Like here, here is how you would fulfill what Paul says here. Now this isn't exhaustive, right? It's not comprehensive. I'm just going to help you out here. Number one. Submission, as the Bible as the Bible defines it, okay. But but here's another way. 
that the church submits to Christ. Wives, you should be responsive to your husbands. Right? Do we not say things around here? Hey, the gospel demands a... Right? Wives, be responsive to your husbands. Be respectful to your husbands. That's the way you say I love you to your husband. Be respectful to your husbands. Be fully devoted to your husband and be humble in the relationship. That's, that's the ongoing assignment. Those things, like just step back and go, okay, am I doing this? Am I doing this? When I did this, was that, was that this? And this is sort of how it should work. Submissive, responsive, respectful, fully devoted, humble. You can add to that list if you want as you see fit. And I just want to tell you that the Lord has been so gracious to give me a wife and, 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 I, and I'm not, like, overstating this. Like, my wife crushes this. <laughs> like, I look at her and I'm like, and I, and I just got to be, some days I'm like, why is she still here? <laughs> but what a gift it is when a wife is like this. And I'm a living experience of this. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Two verses God gave to the wives. And then he gives like, I don't do the math here, what is that, eight, nine to the husbands? So let me just talk briefly for a minute to the feminists who might be here at church today. Because that movement did offer some valid critiques toward like a corrupted masculinity, okay? That's true, that's real. But we need to go to their town and I need to kind of lovingly set the feminists straight here. For, for someone to write and give such a command as this, for husbands to love their wives, was absolutely crazy. That did not happen in their town. Wives were viewed as property. Men would have heard this verse, okay? Men would have heard this was being taught in the church, the men of the ethnos, and they would have laughed at the believers for doing this type of thing. It would have shocked the hearers. This would have been a major discipleship opportunity within the Ephesian church to sit men down who have not loved their wives because wives were property and to sit them down and go, hey, you don't get to do this anymore because you're a new humanity and now you have to love your wife. This world has been changed by Christianity. Even an unsaved couple that's married for 70 years when they don't follow Jesus but they experience the greatness of marriage they only did that because of Ephesians chapter 5 that was unheard of in the Greco-Roman world women were viewed as property they were easily disposed of and here Paul writes this as husbands now you you love your wife just like Christ loved the church that was such a countercultural command. 
So what is the command? What is the ongoing assignment for men? And I would argue what is, and what I'm getting ready to tell you is actually the definition of masculinity, by the way. See, masculinity has way less to do with like big trucks and weightlifting. And it has more to do with what I'm getting ready to tell you. Okay, listen, I like, I like big trucks and weightlifting. I don't do, I don't really don't do either one, but they're good. They're good. But it has, listen, that's not masculinity. Husbands, future husbands, pay attention. How does Christ love the church? How should you love your wife? Number one, sacrifice for her. Just write that down. A priority of the husband is to sacrificially, okay, listen, this is not, you sacrificially set your wife up for flourishing, okay? You don't have your wife do things in order for you to flourish. That's all too common in the ethnos, in the church, okay? So here's how this plays out. In your decision-making husband, First question you have to ask, is this what God wants? Always start there, but then you have to ask, does this move, does this decision set my wife and my family up to flourish? If the answer is no, and you answered yes to the first one, you got the first answer wrong. Does that make sense? You have to set your wife up to flourish. That's what Christ did for his church. You sacrifice for her. That means, men, listen to me. You might have to take some steps backwards in your career. You might have to put a hobby aside, God forbid, in order for your wife to flourish. I could go on. I give a lot more examples. Let's keep going. It's not just that you sacrifice for her. You initiate with her. Husbands, you initiate. That means this. Husbands, you apologize first. It's headship. It's leadership. Husbands, do you initiate spiritual conversations in your home? It's called headship. It's called leadership. It's called masculinity. Husbands, do you initiate living a life for the kingdom and then leading your family in that? It's called headship. It's called leadership. It's called masculinity. Husbands, do you initiate emotional connection with your wife? It's called headship. It's called leadership. It's called masculinity. Initiate with her. You take the first step. You move toward her. That's what Jesus did for his church. Next, you build her up in character. By the way, I'm just coming right off Ephesians here. You build her up in character. That's what it's saying here. Hey, you sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. How do we build her up in character? Well, first of all, you have to engage with her verbally, husbands. That's headship. That's leadership. Engage verbally. 
Secondly, you must speak truth to your wife. And not like to tear her down. Like a husband should be the primary one who speaks truth into his, the, the, the life of his wife about who God made her to be. About who God says she is. And what's cool about Paul is when he says this, he gave you three chapters, one, two, and three. Just say that to your wife. A lot. He doesn't just sacrifice, initiate, build her up. He cares for her needs. This is where we come and we are protectors and we are providers. Protection and provision. Not just her physical... Here's what I'd like, listen, I hear this a lot. Well, I'd die for my wife. Awesome. Probably not going to have to. Like probably 100% of you are not going to have to jump in front of your wife, husbands, and take a bullet to save her life. That's just the reality. Okay? But protect her. Protect her heart. Protect her emotions. Provide for her. First Timothy says this, if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially his own household, he is denied the faith and he's worse than an unbeliever. Provide. That's headship. That's leadership. That's masculinity. So let me just ask you this, fellas. Do you have a model of a godly man in your life who is in a, a godly marriage? Do you, can you identify someone and go, man, he seems to be a godly husband? I hope that you do. But if you don't, we do have Jesus, and I'm going to get to that in a minute, but I want husbands to understand the weight of what I'm getting ready to tell you. We will directly stand before the creator of the universe and we will give an account for how we handled our responsibility within marriage. That responsibility being headship and leadership. We will stand before the creator and answer for that. And I know it's heavy and it should be. When godly husbands fulfill their role and godly wives then fulfill their role it is beautiful and it actually is very sweet and it offers a sweet savor to the lord and actually the world the ethnos takes notice this really matters now just let's bring some levity to the room so we i need you to participate with me will you participate can we do this okay you don't have a choice participate with me Okay, we're going to just do a little vote. Can we do a little vote? I want, who, who has the hardest job in this relationship? So if you think, okay, if you think, well, ladies have the hardest job. So boldly, make your vote. Get them, get them higher. Couple. Okay, who thinks men have the way to your hardest job? Raise your hand. Okay, look around. Way, way more hands. That's interesting. So I'm going to give you my thoughts on this, okay? Um. The majority of you said that the men have the harder job. I disagree. I think being submissive and responsive and respectful and fully devoted and humble, I actually think that's the harder job. And let me explain this to you. It says this. It says, 
as the church submits to Christ. Now, verse 24, now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Okay? So stay with me here, because here's what I think. I'm part of the church. So those two verses that I said were to the wives, they're actually to you, you husbands too, who follow Jesus. Like, I'm part of the church. That means I'm supposed to be submissive, responsive, respectful, respectful, fully devoted, and humble in my walk with Jesus, and I fail miserably at that. Husbands, and I'm not picking on you today. We have, listen, just in case you're wondering, we have awesome, godly husbands all over this church. It's fun to watch. But let me just talk to a couple husbands in the room that may fit this, right? Could it be, I'm just going to pose a question here. Could it be that when you see your wife, that you don't see a woman who is submissive, responsive, respectful, fully voted to you, humble in your household? Could it be that you don't see that from your wife because your wife has never seen that modeled by you in your relationship to Jesus Christ? I am telling you the best place for a wife to learn how to be a wife is to watch her husband be a spouse to his covenant spouse. So you can't sit at coffee and you can't sit over a beer and start ripping on your wife because she doesn't do this and she doesn't do this and she doesn't do this until you sit back and go, wait a minute, I don't do that. And I know this, I often do not respond rightly to my covenant spouse, and he's perfect. Are you with me? So maybe we can give some grace when, when we're not seeing that maybe from our wives, and maybe they struggle at times. Because here's what I know, maybe, just a little more transparency here. I think it, it's got to be hard for Jenny sometimes to live her assignment out when her husband is pouty or annoyed or just lazy or being selfish. Are you with me? God's never that. God is never those things with us. But yet sometimes we don't submit to him. Amen or just the pastor here? Right? Listen, that's a reality. Most of the time, husbands, most of the time, we're not awesome. Okay? That's just true. Wives, the Bible calls you a helper. Okay? That has nothing to do with dishes, just so you know. Look at me. When, when, we, when we husbands are not being submissive and responsive, we're not being humble, the, I, this is me. I think the number one way that a wife helps her husband is to go, just grab his face and be like, get your eyes back on Jesus, please. We need that, wives. We need that. That's the best help you can give. So this takes us to Jesus. Our covenant spouse who fulfills his husbandly duties perfectly. Did he sacrifice for us, church? Hello, Easter, it's coming. Absolutely he did. Does he initiate? 
while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us? Does he build us up in character? Can you go back and read Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3 and just let God tell us who we are? That's what a good husband does. Does he care for us? You can cast all your anxieties on him, the Bible says. All of them because he cares for you. He's kind. He's gentle. He's long-suffering. He's faithful. We could go all day and talk about our covenant spouse, could we not? He did it perfectly. If you're serving communion, I want you to come forward. I'll have all of you guys go ahead and stand up. God, God in his infinite wisdom invented marriage. And listen, next week we're going to keep talking about it. We're going all the way back to Genesis next week. God invented this in his infinite wisdom. Men, I absolutely want you to walk out here today and understand the weight and responsibility of this. But more than that, I want you to evaluate your relationship with your covenant spouse and how you are modeling what a, what a wife should do. That's really the big thing of the week for men. Wives, Help us all redeem what the Bible teaches about submission. Don't let the ethnos define it. It's beautiful, and it is for human flourishing. And you need to walk out of here today knowing that you're equal in value, you're equal in dignity, you're equal in worth, but we absolutely have different roles. God created us differently on purpose, and it's beautiful. So let's go back to the sacrifice. We're going to come to the table and we're, we're going to celebrate what the head of the church did for his bride. First and foremost, he went to a cross. If you're new here, come down the middle aisles. We have stations here. This is where we, this is where we uh, rehearse the gospel. We look at the crucifixion. We look at the death of our king. The bread will be torn, represents the body of our king. It'll be dipped into a cup that represents the blood that he spilled on our behalf to redeem his bride. He did this to redeem his bride, and if you're following Jesus, that is you. If you're not following Jesus, listen, you're here on purpose today. You can join this covenant family. By believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is who he said he was, that he did what we're getting ready to celebrate, and then he raised from the dead. We're going to have some elders, some staff down front. It would be our honor to be able to pray with you. Maybe it's for a marriage. Maybe, you're, maybe, maybe you don't have to be married. Maybe you're, you're, you're single. Maybe you just want prayer. Maybe it has nothing to do with marriage. You just would love someone to pray with you. We would love to do that today. But let us who are following Jesus come to the table and celebrate our covenant spouse this morning.